Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga from Cleveland.com, and I'm joined by Paul Hoynes, who's in Baltimore after four days in San Juan, Puerto Rico, with the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins. Paul, good to have you back on the mainland. Hola, Joe. I'll say dos cervezas. <laughs> well, Paul, it's, you laugh, but you've earned it. You earned a couple of cervezas after uh, – you know, being out there uh, four days in Puerto Rico, following around Francisco Lindor and Roberto Perez, and and these players who didn't just go out there to play a couple of baseball games, it was almost like it was a, a mission for them. Yeah, it really was, uh, Joe. I think, uh, you know, both teams, uh, the Twins and the Indians, really, uh, uh, you know, they kind of paid, paid back to the uh, community. Uh, the Twins, you know, visited a lot of hospitals, I was talking, uh, you know, some some of their front office people went to, you know, an orphanage that had been uh, knocked, you know, that had been damaged by the hurricanes and helped, you know, kind of rebuild it. It did some work around there. And, you know, the Indians you know, donated a full playoff share, almost $37,000 from last year's ALDS. And, uh, you know, um, they made some other charitable donations, the, the Indians Wives Association. And uh, j- just to see the uh, – connection between uh, the Puerto Rican players, you know, Roberto Perez and and uh, uh, Francisco Lindor and Sandy Alomar and, uh, and, and the Puerto Rican people was really cool. It was, uh, you could tell there, there's a lot of pride there on this island that has, you know, produced some great, great uh, Major League Baseball players. And so it was, it was a fun experience. It's seven months after Hurricane Maria struck the island. Knocked out power to the entire island. It, it, you know, well documented. Uh, there were even a, a blackout uh, yesterday during. You know, there was question whether the game was going to get the second game was going to get played yesterday. What did you take away from? What did you see on the island uh, that that people don't hear back in Cleveland, back in the United States uh, mainland, um, don't know and don't understand about what what really happened there in Puerto Rico. Yeah, you know, I didn't get to see a lot of uh, the damage, the real damage. I guess that was more in the the interior of the island and and the western side of the island. Um, you know, I talked to Sandy Alomar. Uh, he went to uh, he went home to see his parents in Salinas, and he said their homes were were good. Were had uh, uh, their their house had you know withstood the hurricanes, but he said a lot of uh, people in their town had lost everything, and you know we've written about uh, Roberto Perez's mom in, in Mayaguez. Her house was totally destroyed, and it, it, uh, uh, Roberto's building her a new one now. Um, so it, yeah, you know, but it was it was it was interesting. Uh, you know, yesterday I'm, I'm sitting in uh, the hotel room writing, and uh, you know the, the lights flickered a little bit, and uh, you know. And uh, and then they came right back on because the hotel's generators kicked back on. But then, you know, I turn on the TV and, you know, it's an island-wide blackout. And uh, you, you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, there's nothing wrong here. But then I went outside and, uh, you know, the street lights were off. I mean, the uh, traffic lights were off. And the people just kind of kept going, you know. they, You know, the businesses that had lost the electricity, the restaurants and stuff, they just kind of opened the door because the, the AC was off. But people are, you know, walking down the street, eating in the dark. And uh, it was just like, uh, uh, oh, this is another day, you know. And 
I think they they become cus, accustomed to it. I mean, I, I don't I know that they're still unhappy about it, but uh, I think that that's a pretty resilient. Uh, uh, you know, they're they're pretty resilient in Puerto Rico, and I think uh, you know they're kind of weathering this and, and just hoping for the best. That's the two things that really sort of came across in the television coverage of the two games, the two nights there, uh, were the resiliency of the Puerto Rican people and the sort of unifying power of what baseball and, and Major League Baseball there, uh, you know, was for for not just the people in the park, but really for the entire island. Uh, that that really came across in in what we saw on television back here. Uh, you know, and, and you know, to top that off, the games themselves were both fantastic. Uh, you know, in, in there were moments from both games that uh, will be you know talked about for years. Yeah, I mean, uh, the first game, uh, just uh, the Lindor home run in the fifth inning. I mean, the, the only the only crowd reaction I've ever heard that comes close to it is when Raja Davis hit the uh, the game tying home run in, in Game Seven of the World Series. Uh, when when uh, Lindor hit the two-run homer in the fifth inning in game one to give him a 2 nothing lead. I mean, it was like a whole island kind of cheered for him. It was it was really uh, it was really cool. It was it was uh, it was it was a fun thing to experience. And he you know he was just kind of blown away by it. And uh, the people in the stands, you know, like like Kipnis said it best. That goes, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know the Indians were the visitors in this series, but he said Francisco Lindor. It always plays for the home team in Puerto Rico, and uh, that, I thought that was pretty. Uh, that was a great uh, statement. It was a great way to sum it up, and especially Joe. Like you know, if you'd seen it uh, Monday, you know when he visited his old uh, old grade school in, in Garoppolo, Puerto Rico, which was about a, an hour's drive uh, from San Juan, and uh, just the way the, the kids reacted to uh, Escuela. Um, I can't remember the name of the school, the school, but the, the school was 250 students uh, from fifth grade through uh, the, uh, from fifth grade down to kindergarten. And when he walked through the door, it was like uh, you know some rock star had walked in. They were chanting his name, and uh, all the outside of every classroom they they had these artworks uh, about Lindor that the students had been working on for a couple weeks. It was really cool, and it was about a two to three hour thing. And, you know, he signed autographs, he conducted a clinic, uh, and he was just mobbed. I mean, the, the kids couldn't get enough of him. You know, the, the Players Association was tied into it, so and the, and the MLB was tied into it. The kids were all wearing, you know, uh, uh, Indians hats, and it, it was it was quite a thing. It was it was really there was some we talked to some of his old teachers, and it was it was fun. It was it was really a good event, and uh, it, I think you know. Coming after Monday, and then seeing him, seeing what he did on on Tuesday night in the first game, uh, you know that was the capper for me. I, I thought I thought it couldn't get any better than that. Well, and then we turn around, and uh, uh, last night they play uh, they play 16 innings. Uh, Jose Barrios, the uh, the other sort of Puerto Rican star headliner player for the for the Twins, uh, pitches a gem against Carlos Carrasco. They sort of matched. Uh, match each other uh, through seven innings, and the game goes on this crazy long hour. Uh, Encarnacion and uh, Miguel Sano both homer in the 14th inning. Uh, that's That was the first time anything like that had ever happened, where two teams went into the 14th, tied at zero, and both hit home runs. 
it's just you, you, it's crazy how you see just all these uh, you know crazy chaotic things and in the background people you know the the folks that stayed were were playing drums and music and and it was like a festival atmosphere in the stands until uh until the the twins walked it off there in the in the bottom of the 16th yeah it really was it was it was great and you know i'm thinking joe like uh you know they almost don't they almost don't play this game and in fact if the the city of san juan didn't kind of open its grid and and you know you know kind of you know get, uh send the power their power to the ballpark i don't think it would have been played uh, i really don't uh, you know uh, you know like two or three hours before game time was uh chris antonetti was talking to uh andrew miller the indians player after they had met with Twins officials and MLB officials. So I think there was some serious consideration that they weren't going to play because all the lights weren't on. Uh, they were, wow. I think the ballpark was, uh, be, you know, powered, but it was powered by generators. But some of the stand, you know, the stand, the light stands weren't, weren't fully, uh, operational. So. Yeah. You know, I, saw, and, and, I, I saw a tweet somewhere that Paul Molitor filled out his, uh, lineup card using a lantern. So. Yeah. yeah right. And so, and, and, uh, so, you know, I mean, so they get the power on just to play one game, and they end up almost playing two, you know. <laughs> and uh, it, it just figured. And, you know, there's a uh, John Lowe who used to uh, cover the Tigers for years and years and years <clears throat> for one of the Detroit papers. He, he said, <laughs> there's a quote, he said, the last thing you want to do if you're a baseball writer, is write both teams scored in the 14th inning. And that's, <laughs> and that's, that's what I was thinking about when Sano tied it up. Well, I thought the uh, suggestion from a fan on Twitter that you and uh, our friend Lavelle Neal settle it over a, a game of rock, paper, scissors was, was you know, pretty solid as I'm sitting there falling asleep watching the uh, the end of that game. Or, or uh, try to or try to get a sacrifice bunt down. How about that? Well, that, Indians, that's what worst, I, was that the worst exhibition of, of trying of bunting that you've ever seen? Well, and that's that's what that was going to be my next question was it came down to execution and really the the Indians didn't execute three times they had the go ahead run at second base with no outs in in, in after the eighth inning and failed to get a, a sacrifice bunt down or move the runner over and and get a get a run home, uh, you know. Can we chalk that up to being on the road or, you know, the conditions or anything like that? Or is it just, is this just a, a failing of uh, the Indians? There's nobody on the roster who can, you know, get down a bunt when you need to get down a bunt. Well, you know, Joe, it was like a team-wide epidemic, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, uh, Allen, uh, uh, you know, Greg Allen, you know, he's a 26-man. He's a rookie. He can't get the bunt down, and okay, so you give him you give him a pass on that. Maybe the the moment got a little big for him, but then uh, you know, uh, uh, Rajah Davis, a veteran, a veteran that's been around forever, can't get a bunt down, and then uh, Lindor, an MVP candidate, he can't get a bunt down. I mean, so I think you know when those things start to snowball and you get into those extra innings, you know, and and you know, I, I I'm not sure if 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 you know, if you've got if if there's two on with uh, Lindor up, you know, I don't know if I'm having him bunt with nobody out. I I I'm, I think I might have a better chance let him swing away, but but you know that's that's just me. But um, you know I I think uh, you know I think it was just kind of it, it snowballed. The good things snowball, bad things snowball, and 
you know, I've seen these guys bunt before. They bunt every day. Uh, I don't know how serious they take it, but, uh, you know, I think they'll be taking it a little more serious after this. Well, uh, so tomorrow when they get to the park, you know, 5 o'clock uh, bunting practice on the field, everybody grabs a bat, or is that, uh, <laughs> is, is so that I, the solution, or is that is it, does it go deeper than that? I think it goes deeper than that. I think, uh, you know, it, these guys know how to bunt. They, they've been swinging a bat their whole lives. You know, I think uh, they they just have to concentrate a little more than, you know, with BP where you bunt the first two pitches and then start swinging the bat. I think, you know, maybe you go out for early BP and, and work with uh, Van Berkeleo, you know, or, uh, you know so, or something like that. I think, you, you know, the guys that are supposed to bunt, that has to be part of their tool chest. That's like a carpenter not being able to swing a hammer. I mean, that's got to be part of your your your, your skill set. And you know, we just didn't see it last night. And uh, and that, you know, that's that's disappointing because they could have won that game four or five or six different times. All right. Uh, you know, you've covered the Indians for thirty five years plus. Who's the best bunner you've seen, uh, Indians or otherwise? I'd have to say Vizquel was probably the best bunner I've ever seen. Uh, Otis Nixon was a good bunner. Uh, Brett Butler uh, was a good bunner. Uh, you know, Kenny Lofton bunted for a lot of hits, but but he, he always bunted for for uh, for hits. He he wasn't a great you know sacrifice guy. You know, right. and and I think with his speed, he was always bunting for a hit anyways, even on a sacrifice. Right. But, and, Kenny would Kenny would drag it with him and 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 go, and, and you knew you were off to the races with there. With with Omar, it was almost like his ability to handle the bat was better than than Kenny's you knew it was he was up there you know almost like a magic wand you know he could put that ball wherever he needed to yeah and you know that was his job he's usually hitting number two so you know he was either hitting behind if the leadoff guy got on he was either trying to hit the the hole between uh first and second or or he was trying to advance a guy and you know so he I think he had more practice at it I think he had a lot you know more bunt hits and and Robbie Alomar was a, was a real good bunner as well. He he could he, well Robbie could do just about anything. But he, he when him and and Omar were on the, in the same lineup, that was really a dangerous lineup. They could beat you bunning. All right. Well, let's take a look now uh, ahead at the Baltimore series. Uh, uh, you know the the Indians got in uh, uh, this morning early in the morning and. Uh, you know, they have a day off Thursday, Friday. They open up a four-game wraparound series with the Orioles. The Orioles are in last place, uh, tied with uh, Tampa Bay in the East, five wins, 13 losses. Uh, so by all accounts, this should be a, a series that the Indians should do pretty well in. Uh, they've got uh, Trevor Bauer going um, uh, tomorrow, Friday, against Dylan Bundy. Uh, you know, what do you see for for this series coming up? Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting series. Uh, you know, Baltimore usually plays these, uh, the Indians pretty tough. Um, you know, Show Walter's a very good manager. I know they're they're struggling right now, but uh, you know they've got some power. Um, and uh, you know, but the good thing is this is a four game series, and the Indians you know skip Tomlin uh, to give them an extra arm in the bullpen for the uh, Puerto Rican series, and uh, so they've got, they've got their four best guys going: Bauer. Clevenger, Kluber, and Carrasco. So that's going to give them a really a good chance to do, you know, to to do well and win this series. You know, Kluber and Carrasco. I mean, if there's if there's two guys 
uh, pitching better than these two guys in, in in the American League or all of baseball at this point of the season. I, I don't know who it is. I mean, they they are really you know right on time right now. It's so, uh, it's Dallas Keuchel and Alex Cobb over in Houston, but that that's neither here nor there. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but those guys, I mean, they are really really good. I mean, Kluber's like with a week you know a week off. You know, he, he goes six and two-thirds. He gives up one run, and, it, you know, he looked like he could have kept going. And, and Carrasco, you know, he, he had six days off, and it didn't, you know, he threw uh, seven scoreless and, and looked like he could have kept going. So, you know, that that was really impressive. You know, Clevenger, you know, is, uh, you know, it's coming off a, a tough start uh, where, you know, he started so well and the wheels kind of came off. And, uh, you know, I remember his start here last year in Baltimore, um, you know, he walked about, it seemed like he walked like five or six or maybe ten guys in, in the first four or five innings and, and still got out of it. He hit guys all over all over the bases. He, he didn't give up, I don't think he gave up many hits, but he was walking people and came away with a win. It was one of those, you know, hot, humid, I, I don't know, if, you know, uh, summer days. He, he sweated through about five jerseys, and uh, but he won, you know, so... Uh, uh, so you know, I think I'm looking for Clevenger to get back on track, and, and Bowers has been pretty consistent all year. All right. Well, uh, Paul Hoynes goes from pina coladas to crab cakes as uh, as he's in Baltimore for the weekend. Uh, Paul, good to talk to you. Glad you're back uh, back on the mainland safe, and we look forward to uh, following your coverage for the rest of this weekend here with the Indians. Way to snow, Jake, Joe.